0: Welcome to Dialogue. I'm your host, Rebecca Sebastian, and this is a really special, weird, important, bittersweet episode. Um, I promised myself that I would let the interview speak for itself and keep this intro short, and I want to make good on that, but I have to pop on and let you know that this is the last episode of Dialogue. I know. There's so much I want to say, but I think the best way to do this is to let the final episode be an interview in true Dialogue form. So today, I am the guest, and I will be interviewed by true crime author Tori Telfer, who is also my friend, and coincidentally, my very first guest. So this is a really lovely full circle, and I just want to say thank you to all of you dear listeners. This has been such an amazing ride. Thank you for killing the small talk with me 153 times over the last three plus years. It's just incredible. I don't want to mince words. I am really proud of this show. I am really grateful to all of you for listening. I really appreciate every guest who came on to lend their expertise and point of view on true crime. I would like to particularly thank a few people. Chris Gerstbeck, who helped me start the podcast, like showed me how to Get an RSS feed and turn this thing on, if you will. Jason Usry, who was a listener of the show, then became a friend, then my trusted editor, Javier Leva, a friend and collaborator, Olivia Himes for the original theme song and her haunting ukulele work, Tim and Lance at the Crawl Space Network. They have been such a support to the show over the last few years, and my true crime inner circle: Doctor Scott, Doctor Shiloh, Michelle K, Shannon N, and of course, my diehard patrons. Please stay subscribed to the feed. I have more in the works. You can also follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at high underscore. It's Rebecca. Of course, that's with a K-A-H. It'll be in the show notes. And check out my website for updates on what I am up to. Can't exactly share the specifics, but there's quite a bunch in the works. And you will hear about it, I hope. Please stay connected with me, RebeccaSebastian.com. There's ways to communicate with me there and also on social media. Don't forget, I'm also the co-host of Criminality with my friend Melissa, a show that explores the intersection of reality TV and true crime. So two times a month, I'm still gonna be podcasting over on that show. Go ahead and follow at Criminality Show on Instagram and Twitter and check it out if you haven't already. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, here is the final episode of Dialogue. Welcome to Dialogue Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Sebastian, and this is going to be strange and interesting and exciting because I am your host. But today, I think I could also be the guest, which is weird. So my guest is going to be the host, and you might know her, especially anyone who's been listening from the very beginning. Please welcome my friend, my former guest, two-time guest, I think at least, if not three, Tori Telfer. Hi, Tori.
1: Hi, Rebecca. I have indeed been on your podcast twice, and we've done events together. Yeah. You've been my true crime girl from yeah. since 2016, which is weird.
0: That is so really weird. And what time. a what a year, a Trumpian year. Oh, yeah. We've we've made it through Trump, halfway that's through Biden. Right. Yeah. Here we are, <laughs> we're on the other side. Yeah, this yeah. is cool. And for anyone you know who's listened from the very beginning, you'll you'll remember that Tori was the numero uno guest, and that's kind of crazy because I just started the show not knowing like what I was doing or who I was going to talk to, but we met through a mutual friend, and I knew you. You know, you were the perfect. Prototype for a guest, and that remained true. And so, you know, by now, listeners will know based on the intro that this is for now a final episode of dialogue. And I didn't know how to end the show. And I know you have experience ending a podcast and the weird complications (laughs) and like disorientation, the guilt guilt. guilt that goes with it. (laughs) So I was like, how do I end this? You know, I can't just end with a a guest and let it be like this normal week. Um, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to sit on the mic for 40 minutes talking about why I'm not continuing. So I thought, oh, it's an interview show. I need to be interviewed and I need Tori to interview me. And so here we are. Thank you for doing this. Yes. Oh, it's my pleasure. Let's let's plunge into some questions. Yeah. I'm gonna like sit back now and sit we're gonna and- reverse the roles yes. and this is gonna be uncomfy, but I'm excited. Yes. Okay,
1: let's start with the big question on everyone's mind, which is why. Dialogues ending now. What made you decide to do this?
0: Yeah, well, I wish I had a really super clear answer. Um, it just feels like it's time, and sometimes you just have to know that and trust that. In your life, things have a season, and sometimes it's time. Why I think it's time, you know, some of the thinking around it is, um, I feel like I've taken the show as far as I can,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that to get it to the next level. I just don't know that I can do it um, or have the bandwidth to do it. And I took a break this summer, which listeners will also know. I took what was going to be like a couple weeks turned into a few months <laughs> during mm-hmm. a particularly hard season of life. I came back very ready to continue the show, but I have to say that break was, I needed it. And coming back has been great, but also hard. Mm-hmm. And i I think it kind of crystallized and clarified that it might be time. Like yeah, this might be what dialogue is and what dialogue is supposed to be. And I want to end it before I'm completely like in yeah. a puddle on the floor mm-hmm. where like you have to like kick me out. Like I'd like to leave hopefully with people wanting a little bit more because I have other ideas and that's kind of the, the continuation part is I have more projects in the works. I think I'll be back behind a mic for sure at some point, whether in another form completely or a dialect 2.0 I don't know that will probably be taking shape in the next couple of months but I have other projects I want to work on other stories I want to tell other ways I want to tell them and so I've just decided to to call it I think
1: that's totally valid and I think you know you your podcast is an incredible amount of work I mean it's weekly You're prepping for the interviews. You're doing the interviews. You're finding the interviews. You're prepping. You're doing the interviews. You're you're editing, which takes so long. Mm -hmm. Um, You're posting on social and, I'm, you know, a million other tasks that aren't visible. And for a weekly show, I mean, my show was every other week for a while. And even that was like so much work. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. So, yeah, I totally get it. How many guests have you had total?
0: Oh, my gosh. Or roughly. Uh, Roughly we we surpassed 150. So it's something wow. like almost 160 probably by wow. now. Yeah. I should get the exact number. I'll fact check myself. But yeah, I mean, a really solid number of people in three years and I guess like three and a half years, I guess, by the yeah. time this comes out. Yeah.
1: Do you feel like you've interviewed everyone you want to interview or are you feeling like, oh, I really wish I could get X, Y, and Z on?
0: No. I, I mean, I feel very lucky in who I got. I, I couldn't There's still people I'm like, how did that happen? And I feel like I got surprised by people that I didn't expect, Mm. you know, to be so excited about. But no, I did not. I mostly got yeses, very rarely got flat out noes, got a lot of like no responses. There's a couple people I've always wanted to have on that I never got on. And one is Sarah Koenig, Mm. only because serial is mentioned like pretty much every other episode. It comes up in one way, shape or form. So I just thought, you know, to talk to her about cereal would be really cool. And we did have a nice exchange, but she just very hmm. politely declined because she wasn't promoting anything. And I'm like, you don't have to promote anything. We can yeah. just shoot the shit about cereal, <laughs> but she was not really interested in doing that. We can just be friends. Yeah, completely. <laughs> and then Erin Lee Carr, the director of so many HBO docs that Whoa. I find her point of view very interesting. And I think she's doing so much interesting work in true crime. I was like hellbent on getting her and I never mm-hmm. could. Mm-hmm. No one else like jumps to mind. There's other people I'd surely love to talk to, but um, those were two those were that I was always ones. trying. Yeah. Yeah. What about Karen or Georgia from my favorite murder? Oh, that's a great <laughs> question. Have you tried?
1: <laughs> would you want?
0: <laughs> if you had asked me in 2019, when I started the show, I would have said like a top five desire, like, and and it isn't like, I don't want to interview them anymore. I feel like I grew out of my favorite murder over the years. Yes. They continue to just be such forces in this industry. You know, they have their whole network now. I don't know. I think like just my personal connection to the show is different now. I don't listen. I haven't listened in ages. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that we would have the best conversation because I'm not like actively like absorbing what they're putting out. That said- they are such, you know, they were such industry shapers and genre creators that I, sh- I think we could have a great conversation. And I'm changing my mind. I think I would love to talk to them because yeah. Georgia's become sober and I'm sober. Karen's been sober since I've listened to her. So I think we could even have like interesting tangential conversations. But I would have to say like that has changed like that. That is different now than it was three years ago, which I think is probably good and healthy.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny, actually, they they have shaped the narrative so much that I said that you and I met in 2016, but that's when they started their podcast. <laughs> we met in 2019. That's why I said we made it through Wait, Trump. <laughs> because, that is so did you funny. Know? Cause I have I- it written down in my notes because I wanted to ask you about them. So I looked
0: so that's why I had 2016 in my mind. Well, it feels like I've known you since 2016. I know. I was like so yeah. I went with it. I'm like, I like adding some years to our friendship because okay. we were okay. such fast friends. But um, but yeah, that actually makes more sense that we met the okay. year I started my show and then you came right Not on. A, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, okay. yeah, considering they started in 2016 mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense like that their show. And they yeah. deserve all the credit for, for what they did. And I don't take yeah. away from them at all. I just, for me, it's no longer like a source of where I get my true crime, like scratch mm-hmm. itched, if you will. That's not where I go anymore, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. love them. <laughs>
1: You're scratch itched. It's Itch, scratched. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
0: did <laughs> I get that? The, in, yeah. That, that
1: was so cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, let, let me jump ahead to my... MFM question Because I wanted to ask you Since 2016 When they began And that was when I feel like everyone was like True crime is a thing now Which of course you and I know It's been a thing Since the dawn of time yeah But how have you seen True crime change Or like mm. true crime podcast True crime media Since The 2016 My favorite murder is big We're reading cases off Wikipedia Yeah Maybe we're laughing Well you know You go ahead And tell me what you think Yeah
0: Oh my gosh I think it's totally changing and evolving and it's completely the same it's both mm. um mm. it's so funny i feel like like so many things i'm like well in 2022 you couldn't start a podcast called my favorite murder like i just mm-hmm. don't think it would resonate i don't think yeah. people would think it was cute or funny yeah. i think they'd be like that's insensitive and this has been a, a struggle for me and anybody who's listened for a long time knows that i've always delicately tried to dance the dance of entertainment, infotainment. You know, I've always yeah. felt like dialogue <laughs> wanted to be like infotainment. Like we're getting information. We, we, I hope to be entertaining, but I'm definitely not up here making jokes. I think it's changed. I think the awareness has just grown tremendously. I think we're a little more self-aware of our position in the genre. Like there was none of that in 2016. Mm-mm. There was so little, I should say.
1: Yeah, at least not from major... I'm sure people were saying it, but the major true crime narrative was not as fine-tuned to these sensitivities, right?
0: Yeah, the ones that were broken through to like Mm -hmm. the masses that everybody was listening to didn't have a lot of nuance. They didn't have a lot of um, criminal justice perspective, Mm -hmm. right? And for me, what happened was the more I listened to true crime and understood cases and I just couldn't help but seeing themes in all the stories and that's what, Made me start dialogue. I'm like, oh, Mm. you know, racism, coercion, and consent. Mm. Like, Mm. these are all the things that we're talking about when we talk about true crime. It's not as straightforward as murder. It's not reduced down to this stay sexy, don't be murdered mantra, which was pivotal for me. Like, that was such a rally cry for me at one point in my life. But then eventually, like, more revealed itself that I became more interested in. Mm -hmm. So, two people just For fun, reading mostly from Wikipedia, cases like left a little to be desired for me. Mm -hmm. Now, I think their show has evolved. I don't think it stayed there. And I think many other shows did too. Yes. So now you hear interesting conversations happen about the themes at play in a story versus just like looking at it singularly which you should it's a specific story about a specific person or people but um what are the parallels and what are like the bigger conclusions i think that's new yeah i also think the genre's expanded like your work with white collar crime and fraud and con women yeah it's not just serial killers it's not just serial killers and murders which is refreshing for me because that is a lot to Mm -hmm. confront Week in and week out. I know a lot of people with vicarious trauma who work in true crime. It's too much. So like too much. Yeah. Yeah. I love to talk to people about, you know, personal safety, self-defense, these things that kind of can go true crime adjacent. That was always my Mm -hmm. goal with dialogue was to broaden the conversation, bring more people into it and maybe just like left of center. Right not politically. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. meaning we're not just talking about the bullseye of a murder and a crime. It's like taking a broader approach.
1: This conversation that we're having is making me wonder if, do you think there might ever be a true crime, a, uh, a backlash within true crime of like <laughs> where we're kind of going back to the off-color joke era because it's gotten so self-serious. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing that politically with I'm I'm going to generalize here in like to a insane degree. But, you know, I feel like I, I read that sometimes like Gen Z is pushing back against the the millennial, like super serious political, like like social justice warrior yeah. type. And I'm wondering if we'll see that in true crime. Like, have we gotten so concerned with with morals and with being serious that and we're going to have this. And being woke and being because I feel like <laughs> sometimes people are afraid to admit that there's anything salacious and entertaining in these stories. Yeah. And and it's and we kind of like and I, I know I've made that mistake myself where it's like, what do you mean this is entertaining? Like, I am educating you. Yeah, 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 totally. You're going to see this new wave of podcasters come up who are like, we're bringing back the gore.
0: Like, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. Here's what I think. I think you're totally right. I think, and I should be really clear. I've gone back and forth on the issue. I don't think there's anything wrong with true crime as entertainment. I want to be really clear about that. I think humans have loved stories of life and death Mm -hmm. from the dawn of time. I totally agree. So we're fascinated by it. I don't think we need to apologize for that. And then I think it becomes personal preference. And that's all very subjective of like Mm -hmm. how to do it and how to do it appropriately. I do have feelings on that, but that is personal. Mm-hmm. will it go back to, like, a super, like, gore-forward <laughs> point of <laughs> like view? Like a tabloidy, yeah, like... Yeah, I, I don't know. Sexualized. What I, it's possible. I do think, like, the pendulum always shifts back and goes hard. But what I already see is, like, parody and satire happening in true crime, like, mm. and satire of true crime. That's a good sign to me that it's, like, the genre can't take itself too seriously. And now yeah. we have, like, murder in the building, you know, and... Kind of scripted, m- less um, nonfiction approaches to crime stories, and if you watch any like Lifetime or Hallmark movie now, even there's a podcaster like that is like a trope <laughs> yes. of a character now, and for a good reason. Like weird, weird, and yes. podcasters are weirdos, and so I see more right now a shift of being able to laugh at ourselves and not mm-hmm. take ourselves so seriously, which I think is really good. Yeah, so long as it's coupled with the awareness that someone died and we know that, but there is that right now. I still think there's a big shift of like victim-centric storytelling, which I don't think is bad. Obviously, I don't think I need to say that, Yeah. but I just listened to Bone Valley. I don't know if you listened to it. It's mm-hmm. about a wrongful conviction. It's phenomenal. And I have that host on and I really feel like they did such a beautiful job showing us that and not telling us that. And that's yes. a tricky way to that's say that because it's a podcast, but, <laughs> but they I know tell us because it's auditory, but <laughs> they didn't come on in a voiceover and say, Michelle's life really mattered. She should be at the center of the story. She was the yeah. victim. Yeah. They instead revealed some very candid audio of their responses to looking at the pictures of her autopsy and oh different gosh. things like that. And it was just so real and so didn't pander to the audience. Like, this is how you should feel about this. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is how we feel about it. And thereby they kind of. Set a tone of respect. So for me, that's more my style. That's more my preference. But do I think it's bad that there's a heightened awareness to make sure victims aren't getting lost in the story or being, you know, blamed or shamed? Of course not. Like, never, never, never. It's so tricky, Tori. You know this just as much as I like this. I know. Right. Like, it's there's just,
1: never we're never gonna conclude this conversation, no, which is good. Which it's is fluid. good. We always yeah. try,
0: though. It moves. I think it it moves with the yeah. times and it ebbs and yeah. flows. Yeah.
1: Well, can we can we talk about salaciousness? Can we meet? Ma- yeah. Gossip? Can we gossip oh, a little bit here? Let's do. Let's do. I, <laughs> I really want to hear. Um. I, well, I want to. I want to know if there's any. You want to share, but can I start <laughs> by telling you? I may have already told you this on a podcast. Oh, I hope, podcast, I hope so. Um, <laughs> but but can I just share with you this podcast title that I once learned someone wanted to make me sorry, this isn't coherent. Okay, no, I'm here's talking. my gossip. I'm gonna start with my gossip. Great. Once upon a time, this company that I work for that shall remain nameless <sighs> tried to title a podcast that I was gonna work on talk Bundy to me? Have we discussed this? We did. I think we (laughs) did. Did we talk? Okay. Yes. So that's my example of just like gag. What? Gross. Never. Never. Too much. So uh, do you have any like salacious or cheesy like industry bits of gossip you want to share or like something a
0: guest revealed or something you've felt about someone you interacted with? Oh, that's this. this is juicy. This is good. I'm going to need to think for a second. The realty, I I really can't share on the mic. Um, I will say I've had a lot of things pitched to me, you know, for guests that I've had to say no to just because they they mm. were the equivalent of talk Bundy to me. Uh, <laughs> content like either the oh, book or show that yes. they were promoting was just a couple weird things. Just like one guest had a hard candy in his mouth the whole no. time we talked. <gasps> Did you hear it rattle? Yeah. Oh. And anyone who's what listened to every say? episode will go back and they'll be able to know who it is. I won't say, but I didn't say anything because I was just, it was like, you know, definitely within the first like 20 or 30 episodes where I wasn't confident enough oh. to say, like, hey, can we take that again without the lozenge? <laughs> and we're
1: so socialized to be polite, but also like, sir, I mean, I'm assuming it's a man. It was. Of course <laughs>
0: it was. <laughs> of course it was a man. Sir, get the lozenge out of your mouth. Yeah, get so, like, the like against his teeth. Uh, yeah, and he was like <laughs> rolling it around with his tongue. It was visually distracting because it was Zoom and auditorially just terrible. And like I put it out there because again it was oh. so new and green yeah. that I was like I yeah. have to put it out there. Yeah. just to go back to Karen and Georgia, you know, we did get fuck politeness from them, and I have to mm. say that was liberating as a girl who yeah. grew up in the church and yeah. was told to be we polite. Need more. And, yes, yes, yeah, that was really liberating. So I don't. Again, I they do they are due a lot of respect. Oh, again, I'm not going to name names, but I have had uh, guests on that have had beef with each other. <gasps> and the other has called me and asked me to remove the others. Rebecca I had, that, I had that once. How uncomfortable is that it's when you're in the middle? The like most that. uncomfy. And-, <laughs> and also like how audacious, like I can't imagine asking anyone to do that. Wait, so um, like the second or like... Like guest number two came on, and then guest number one was like, "Take me off! I don't want to be associated." No, no. Guest oh. number one said, "I saw you had guest number two on. I don't think she should be on your feed, and here's why." Like telling oh. me, "Oh, even more." Audacious. Yeah, yeah. There was there were a couple things like that. Honestly, uh, like any industry, you know, true crime is small. People know each mm-hmm. other, and they have strong feelings. That was uncomfortable, and early on in my career as a podcaster. I think if it happened now I would handle it really differently. I didn't take it down. I Good, didn't accommodate. Yeah. But now I don't even know that I would have like entertained the call the way that I did. Yeah. The true crime space is not immune from bad behavior by men. So mm-hmm. I'll just say I had a couple weird encounters like that with people I would have really liked to have on the podcast that mm-hmm. unfortunately made it not possible to do that because it got weird and it's not because i made it weird yeah so i don't mean to be cryptic it just unfortunately that is a thing and that that very much happens um in the podcast space i think to women a bit yeah so
1: creepers infiltrate yeah. every industry that's exactly right it doesn't matter if the industry is all about oh here we center victims you know Creepers right, exactly can still come in yeah <laughs> right Well, what about, like, super positive experiences you've had with guests or Mm -hmm. at conventions? You know, is there a time you were just totally starstruck, someone was even more amazing than you? then you. And and I'll 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 let you off the hook here like obviously the answer is me so you don't have to right. say me. Right. It, no, I'm it's really
0: assumed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm really um. glad you you made that caveat cuz that would be yes. my first response. <laughs> don't ask all my guests back a second time. So
2: uh,
0: uh, um several. I mean there's several guests that have turned into friends. Uh-huh. And there are some people who I was kind of like Oh, this will be fine, but turned mm-hmm. out to be amazing. And mm-hmm. then there's ones that you think this is going to be an amazing interview, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. So I always love when that happens. So, for example, I was really excited when I got Paul Halls because <gasps> who wouldn't be? He was, he's Paul Halls. Um, even he though is th- our, he's almost too young to be our grandpa. What is he to us? Like our uncle? Yeah, he's definitely too young Just... to be our grandpa. But <laughs> sorry, he is sorry, our, but our true far. crime <laughs> uncle. Yeah, he's our true crime uncle. Like totally. He's, he's Which, family. <laughs>
1: He yeah, which also lion. sounds a little creepy, but um, uncle is uncle is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I understand where we're <laughs> trying to place him in the in the friendly neighbor in the friendly. Yeah. Okay, so I was thrilled to have him on, and I knew it was going to be good, but I actually thought it was going to be just pretty like rote and like your typical Paul Holes interview. Mm-hmm. But it was right when his memoir came out, and mm. he was super vulnerable, and uh, he really you know, went there, but he was also super vulnerable in his book, which I also was surprised by. So I read his memoir and I was really blown away by what he revealed. And so that interview means a lot to me because I think a lot of people started listening to me because of that interview and it went far and wide because of him, but the interview itself was just so solid and strong. And like, I think there was just a lot of good energy between us in that
1: conversation. Well, let me just say right. Now, you're a great interviewer, and that is not a given. Like It might sound easy to just sit down and ask a bunch of questions, and, and it kind of seems like the other person does most of the talking, but it's not a skill everyone has. You do so much research. Your questions are so good. You definitely do more research than I do anytime I interview anyone. So uh, I Thank just you. want your listeners to hear me say that because it's, it's, you're very skilled at what you do.
0: Well, I think I've gotten more skilled. I mean, I think I maybe have a natural aptitude, but your first interview, it's still one of my favorites, but it's very, (laughs) it's rough now. I think it would sound different if I did it today. And that's good. It should three and a half years later, right? Yeah. But thank you. I appreciate that. I do really enjoy doing it. Other interviews that kind of have left an impression, Manai Tafari, I've never stopped thinking about some of the things he said. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like one liners that really changed my perspective. And I would say his conversation, our interview was a pivotal shift for me, kind of thinking more about uh, the criminal justice system on the defendant side, like how important a defendant's rights are, yeah. which is a little counter to the narrative of like the bad guys. And, you know, we yeah. we put the we victims on a pedestal up. and yeah. We, yeah. we throw the other guys away and just how essential it is for our own rights, all of ours as citizens that we protect even people who do bad things because we want our rights protected. He was very mm-hmm. instrumental in me understanding the bigger picture on that. Mm-hmm. And we've stayed in touch and you know, collaborate on different things now. So that's another one. There's so many women I've had on. I've probably had on more women than men in total. Mm-hmm. And, you know, probably less household names, but just people doing incredible work. Like the most recent one that really sticks with me is a series I did on consent. Mm. and this woman named Joyce Short who's here in New York and she her organization lobbies for legislation change around consent because there is no legal definition of consent in most states. Oh wow. So rape and sex crimes are very hard to prosecute when there's no consensus on what consent is and I just like the fact that that's someone's career that that's what they've done for decades and decades and it was on the heels of her own sexual assault and trauma in a very different era mm. of our country. That blew me away. And I think, and I got a lot of feedback from that one that people learned a lot about consent that they hadn't heard of before. And then a series I did on it was called Missing, Murdered, and the Media. And it was sort of those three topics, right? How the media portrays who is missing and murdered, why we talk about who we talk about. And I had just the coolest array of women doing deep academic and entertaining. So some were podcasters, some were academics coming in to talk about that. I learned so much. So mostly it was like that. It was just me learning every time and um, leaving just knowing so much more than I did when I started. And that's like the biggest thrill for me.
1: Well, that feeds perfectly into my next question, which is, have you changed
0: your mind about anything because of your show? Mm, Probably. Mm. I would not talk to the police if they wanted to uh, question me about something about something that I own crime or an anyone's crime? Um, I would be a witness if I mm. knew something to be true and maybe I'd still bring a lawyer. Ooh. But I mean, if they wanted to question me about something, yeah, whether I did it or not, I'm going to assume I didn't because yeah. I don't feel like I have criminal tendencies at this <laughs> moment in time yeah. today. Um but I just wouldn't talk to the police. I just would get a you lawyer. Would lawyer up immediately. Oh, yeah. And <gasps> I, I've, I've, wow. you know, when I guess when my show started, my kids were like 2017 and 15, 14. And now they're three years older than that. Yeah. If you ask them, like, what is your mom imparted to you? It would be thrifting, <laughs> like go to the thrift store mm-hmm, for your clothes yes. and, and um, don't let the police search your place without a warrant, including wow. your car and get a lawyer. Um, Also probably be kind and stuff, but like, I think they know (laughs) that you don't have to talk to the police, even if they say you do. And I've just seen it gone backwards so many times or sideways, I guess is the expression. I just, it doesn't always work out even for innocent people with the desire to help. I started this in 2019. These issues are not new, but 2020, it's like, you know, it all really what's, it was like the tipping point with George Mm -hmm. Floyd and everything. So Mm -hmm. that's another interview that I think really left a lasting impression on me with Matthew Horace. He is a former um, lieutenant up in Minneapolis, grew up as a young black man, really harassed by police on the streets, Mm. but ended up still pursuing a police career. And now he's written this book called The Black, White and the Blue. And it's the most nuanced Mm. pro-law enforcement, pro-reform story. And like those sound conflicting, but they're not Mm. if you leave room for there to be nuance and hear people's stories. And he's so brilliant. And now he's the head of security up at like Mayo Clinic or something. He does private security, but- Brilliant, brilliant guy who helped me reconcile the desire to not throw out, you know, I'm not comfortable yet at this point saying, you know, I don't think there should be a police force and system, Yeah, um, which no, I some, know. some people are there and I'm not there. Yeah. I have so much respect for, for people who serve in law enforcement. I just really, you know, think just like prosecutors, they should be punished when they do that's things wrong. Yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah, that there needs to be changes in policy and training and recruiting. Like all of that needs to be different. And I've had like probably dozens of experts on talking about very specific ways they could start tackling mm-hmm. that. Like the mm-hmm. higher, you know, maybe elevating the standards of who you let in. What would that look like? So where what were we talking about? What you've changed your mind <laughs> oh, about. Oh yeah, that's yeah, one. That's you would one. never talk to the police. That's I a big wouldn't one. talk to the police, but I still appreciate them. I just don't want anyone yeah. to think I because I've also had so many cops on former yeah, law enforcement, yeah. retired, yeah. current, so much respect and admiration. Um I just I see both sides of it and yeah. I recognize my position in the ecosystem. And it's one where I haven't had a lot of bad run-ins because right. I'm because of who I am. Yeah. So I just don't want to be naive about the realities. But uh it's a tough yeah. one.
1: Yeah. It's a tough one. It's a it's a big
0: one.
1: What about something you've seen people get wrong again and again and i thought of this because i was thinking about your trivia show you know is it can be like is it <laughs> it can be a fact like people always mm. say charles manson was a serial killer but mm. he was a cult leader you know right right <laughs> that annoying one or um or an
0: assumption but you like know, i think i'm surprised continually by how new people think true crime is And Mm -hmm. I love that you said that right at the top of our conversation today that you and I both know because you and I have talked ad nauseum about this being such an ancient human part of history. But I think I'm always surprised when I hear someone, you know, maybe date it much more recent as a recent phenomenon when I've really come to understand that there's nothing new about it. It's just taken on a new shape and form and, you know, oh, I've got one. I think people assume it's the bad guys in jail and you know that goes one in jail is the one who did it you mean yeah that like everyone in prison says they didn't do it but they all are they are Mm, all guilty when the estimates you know according to some organizations are up to like minimum five percent are innocent up to 20 so so that's you know a real misconception is just that everybody that's in prison belongs there yeah
1: or like the the confession means they did it, you know,
0: something like that. Exactly. That that, coer- that a confession, nobody would ever confess to something that they didn't actually do. Yeah. When in reality, and that goes back to why I would never, you know, talk without a lawyer. It's amazing when the, they turn up pressure on you and have other, maybe smaller crimes hanging over your head, there's countless things they can do, including make you physically uncomfortable, keeping you in a room overnight, not feeding you to get you to say what they want you to say. So yeah, false confessions can happen.
1: Anyone can join a cult. Anyone can be conned. I might add those.
0: People think they could never. That's a great one. I would never join a cult. I've been pretty vocal about that. There's a cult for everyone and Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of it finding you at the right time. Yeah, And the wrong time, but the right time for the cult, wrong time for you. Yeah. There's no being immune to, let's Mm -hmm. say the three C's,
1: cults, cons, and police coercion. There you go. I love it. (laughs) You can figure out a way to make that snappier and sell. I will. Something about like, don't forget to
0: take your vitamin C. (gasps) Don't be conned and join a cult Uh, or get coerced (laughs) into a confession. (gasps)
1: Ooh, quadruple C. You mentioned getting your true crime itch scratched earlier. Uh, It used to be from my favorite murder. Where do you get your true crime now? Or are you over true crime? Do you not consume it anymore?
0: Mm. Great question. I won't say I'm over it, but I am far less of a consumer than I used to be. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just a... Occupational hazard of the job. But
1: mm-hmm. my other
0: podcast, which is another reason why I'm, I would add that to my why now. Like I have another podcast with a co host, Melissa, called Criminality, which is reality TV and true crime intersection. Genius, genius. It's super fun and <laughs> a lot <laughs> lighter. Yeah. And I will say reality TV is a really nice escape from true crime. <sighs> Although, true crime is infiltrating reality tv because these people keep making terrible choices and not paying their taxes. <laughs> I get it more now from from books and like episodic series, I would say podcasts, but not just weekly anthology never ending po- like mine. <laughs> like I don't listen to any shows. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that's just because when you're a podcaster you're, you can't like listen to that much. I listen you know. to all the guests that I have on, on to their shows but um I I think I'm reading more. I'm reading the books of my guests. I'm reading books my guests recommend and I'm watching more shows like The White Lotus which is crimey but you know it's prestige TV. It's not I'm not watching The Casey Anthony doc which everyone's oh, talking about. No. Boo. I'm, I'm just not uh so not watch mad the Dahmer that one that no. everyone was talking about. No, same. Uh I just I'm not over it. I'm a little fatigued Mm -hmm. and that might be part of the break too, is that maybe I just don't even want to like contribute to it for now. Definitely not going to go on the record saying like, I'm over true crime and I'll never listen, watch or read it again. Cause that, that's not true, but I'm fatigued for sure.
1: Yeah. I I hear you. I consume almost nothing true crimey. I'm trying to think it's like a hand, you know? Yeah. I already know the story of Dahmer. Thank you. Like, right, right. <laughs> I already like, have pretty much made up my mind about Casey Anthony. Thanks, yeah. but no thanks. So, okay, this is kind of a tricky question. Um, but, you know, we've seen true crime trying to address its blind spots over the past couple of years. And maybe it's always been doing that. Do you, can you use your, your, your fortune telling powers and guess what is the next
0: blind spot that we're going to have to grapple with? Corey, that is a crazy good question, like really, really thoughtful and something I've never thought about or considered. One of our blind spots that might continue to be revealed, I think it's starting, is also like our own role in true crime and Mm. what we do to in, in two ways. So on the entertainment side and then on the actual side of criminal justice, meaning, for instance, Casey Anthony. Mm-hmm. If people don't watch in droves, you know, they probably won't make another tell-all with someone yeah. we don't want to hear from, but like O.J. Simpson. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> you know that's next. <laughs> right. So maybe the blind spot is our own selves mm-hmm. and, like, the power we wield mm-hmm. is consumers. Yes. But again, I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum. Like, yeah, you want to watch it, watch it. I know a lot of people who watched it. Mm-hmm. But that is one way that I think maybe we're a little bit naive in thinking that we don't have, like, power within the mm-hmm. genre. Mm-hmm. The second is within the system. So, one of the biggest things I've learned in my own b- blind spot before doing dialogue was sort of my own agency as a voter in my jurisdiction. So, yeah. voting for my district attorney, yes. my local representatives, we can really have an impact on sentencing and bail reform. So, if those are things you feel strongly about uh, on either side, you know, politically, mm-hmm. you have a, a say. And those are, Elections that aren't as uh, put in your face and easy to remember and, you know, depending where you live. So I think that's a blind spot, too, is just that we can complain about our broken system. That's yeah. like loves. We'd love to throw that around. But, you know, I'm not saying each of us should vote and we'll make all the difference, but at least we're not just doing nothing. hmm and it forces you to do a little reading and to find out who these people are that represent you in your, your state town or County. I love that. Like we're used, we're, we're accustomed to being a
1: passive consumer or thinking of ourselves as passive consumers. Like I just lay on my couch and binge it. I just, you know, and And you're saying, right, right. right. Nothing, nothing specifically wrong with that, but you're saying maybe we're being a little naive. Like we, even if we're, consuming on our couch we are still giving clicks we are giving attention to these stories so like just be aware of that right (laughs) you know that's right and um yeah i totally agree with you about the election thing i've had guests say the same thing to me you know it's like these are actually the elections where you and a handful of your friends voting for someone can Uh literally make a difference which let's be real is not true of (laughs) the high profile elections in this country that's, um, that's right. That's it. Oh, it's and that it's was, exciting to me. It
0: that is. It feels more uh, tangible. It's less abstract. The results, you know, are they they are felt and seen in your own neighborhood. Yeah. So I, I do. I think that's really important.
1: I wonder if there will also be this isn't like so much of a blind spot as much as a returning to a trend that we talked about earlier. But a. Um, like I wonder if we're gonna stop being in denial, and by <laughs> we, I don't mean you and I, but I'm mm-hmm. literally thinking of the Dahmer series on Netflix, which is like make, like I'm sure you read, you know, the the director, like none of the victims' families <laughs> spoke to spoke to them, so it's like, okay, can we can we then using that information, can you just freaking admit it's a a bloody entertaining story that you chose to go ahead and make for entertainment to make a lot of money and like yeah the guy playing Dahmer is super method and like kudos to him for being a good actor like can we if you're gonna make it anyway let's just admit that instead of trying i'm so oh now i'm ranting but i'm so sick of these directors and every bundy person does it too being like this time It's about the victims.
0: (laughs) I know. And it's like, but it
1: isn't. And I I would literally respect you more if you were just like, this one's about Dahmer.
0: (laughs) Like this one's about Ted. (laughs) This one's about, you know, satiating the itch. Your blood loss. Apparently all you women have, you white women, you know, and like no apologies. I am 100% with you. Be candid. Be transparent. Be candid. Yes. Say what it is and who it's for and why. Don't I would have pretend. so much
1: more respect.
0: Oh i um I'm, I'm with you. And you know it reminds me of a guest I had on named Lenora Claire. Big shout out. She has an amazing company where she is a consultant now for production companies and works with streaming platforms like oh. Netflix. And they hire her to kind of be a liaison with victims <gasps> and help them for crime programming. With crime programming. Yes. And how so that victims aren't re-traumatized when they do decide to tell a story on a documentary set. This is what she does. It's it's tough for her to get companies to hire her Mm. and they have big budgets for these movies and they don't want to give a little fraction of it to put their money literally where their mouth is saying this is about the victims. They want all those victims, families and those surviving people to come on and spill their guts, but they don't want to pay someone to make sure that it's done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They you know they want to
1: traumatize them. They do. do. It's like
0: it's it's better TV, I'm sure. Right. Right. So Um, yes, I'm with you on that one. That's a great point.
1: Okay, before we wrap up, I just want to ask you about your listeners because we've talked a lot about guests and Mm. we of course wouldn't be here where we are without people listening to this stuff. So who are your listeners? What's your relationship to them?
0: Oh man, such good questions. And yes, yes, and yes. So my listeners are really thoughtful people and really, really nice. And I don't mean that in a boring, like don't have another better descriptive word to use. They're just like they seem like really good people from the ones I talk to and hear from. And I've learned they, you know, when I I think when I started the show, I imagined a completely different audience from who my audience ended up being. They're nice people. They're nice and they're thoughtful and they're different from who I thought they would be. Yeah. I got a lot of people writing me while writing working on their dissertations. Oh, which I love made me that. feel fancy because I didn't even yes. finish college, Tori. Yeah. Oh so my they'd be you like, now. Oh, I'm doing my dissertation on, you know, language and crime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this episode resonated because of this. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Cause I think it would be very mm-hmm. self indulgent to get on here and like be really sad about ending something, like they'd yeah. be like, well, then don't. So mm-hmm. I just want everyone to know I have really mixed feelings about this. Like I got a little emotional thinking about talking to you today about it. It feels oh. surreal. It doesn't feel real yeah. yet. This has been like such a consistent practice of mine weekly for three and a half years. That's amazing. But that said, I don't think it's over dialogue, the feed will stay open and alive. The episodes you can go back to, people can still discover it. And if I do a new show, it depends with whom I'm working. It could be on this same feed. So stay subscribed and yes. followed on wherever you listen. Specifically, I have a couple something I started doing that my listeners might not know is associate producing other shows. Like I have clients where I am part Ooh. of the podcast kind of the concepting and storytelling of other podcasts. actually the two I've worked on neither are true crime. So I'll probably have stuff in the works that isn't true crime and so you could follow me on my personal Instagram, which is I'll put in the show notes, but it's at high underscore it's Rebecca same Twitter handle at high underscore it's Rebecca. I'll probably let the dialogue Twitter and Instagram you know they'll stay there but I probably won't be very active there. So people can keep in touch with me on my personal social media, my website, rebeccasebastian.com. That will have any updates. And again, I can't say too much more, but I have some really exciting projects in the works. God willing, fingers crossed, all the good thinking in 2023, I should have some cool things to share. So definitely, you know, don't disconnect, stay in touch with me because um, there's definitely more work I want to do. It's just, I need to like kind of recalibrate between this and the next thing.
1: Yeah. Okay. It sounds like it's not a goodbye. It's a see you later. For sure. It's a sure. stay subscribed. Yes.
0: It's a dialogue isn't dead. It's just resting.
1: <laughs> it's a still accepting gifts, coffee, <laughs> shop gift cards, yes. um, but not yes. accepting mean messages.
0: I'll mm, say that never. right now. Listeners.
1: <laughs> The door That's is right. always closed to me. Not that your listeners would. I'm Never. I'm sorry, ever. listeners. But if I'm there's sorry. a
0: straggler getting through, they think they can, you know, <laughs> no through. Don't even w- think the about. All of dialogue, listeners, <laughs> you are not welcome here. <laughs> That's Casey right.
1: Anthony, get yeah, out of here. Shut. Get out of here. <laughs> Hush your mouth. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for having me on. To have you on. <laughs> <laughs> Or I know, whatever this, this is, relationship this is. is now. So meta. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I could not think so of anyone here. else, honestly. Well, I did think of anyone else. I thought of like 155 other elses. <laughs> and I'm like, it can only be Tori. We have to begin <laughs> and end with us. And oh. this, as always, is just I love talking with you. And that's why I wanted to do it this way. Same. Tori, listeners, everybody, thank you so much for killing the small talk so many times over the last three plus years. Truly, it's just been the greatest gift. And as Tori said, it's not goodbye, it's see you later and soon, hopefully. Please stay in touch.
2: Bye. Um, excuse me, sorry. Uh, let me stop this episode right here. My name is Javier Leva. I'm the host of Pretend and Criminal Conduct Podcast. I am putting together this finale for Rebecca, but she doesn't know that I got a few of our podcasting friends to send her off rebecca thank you for having me on dialogue this my my personal favorite was when we did the business of cults i know that you know that we would both join a cult if we found the right one i know we're not going to hear from you here in dialogue but uh, i really hope you don't join a cult we really like you <laughs> anyway good luck with the rest of your career i cannot wait to see what you have next hi rebecca melissa here co-host of criminality podcast criminality podcast where you can find rebecca every other friday on her other show is that appropriate to plug there i'm not sure but i did it rebecca you've done such amazing things with dialogue and i'm so thankful that you decided to do criminality with me what a weird message that must have been to have received from me who you barely knew but you had sent me pictures of sonia morgan throughout the town of New York, New York City, if you will. And so I felt like we were close enough at that point to ask you to join me in co-hosting a reality crime show. And we've been doing that for two years and it's been so much fun and I love getting to know you. You're the Judy to my Jen, and I'm glad we figured out that comparison pretty recently. And I learned a lot from you. How am I gonna end this? I'm so thankful to be in your orbit. That sounds like a very Real Housewives thing to say. I'm so thankful to be in your orbit. Okay, I don't know how long other people are taking, so I'm gonna end it here. You're the best. Keep dreaming and kill the small talk. Hey Rebecca, Laney here from True Crime Cases. When Javier asked us to say goodbye, I wanted to be like Rick Astley and never let you go. However, you are such an incredible and talented creator that I know whatever is next in your journey, you will be incredible at it. So thank you again for your support over the years and I would loudly be cheering you on from the sidelines. Hey Rebecca, it's Lance. I'm just dropping you a quick note, thanking you for the amazing work you did on dialogue. You created such a brilliant show and I'm so sad to see that it is ending officially, but I get it, I understand that All good things must come to an end at some point, and I know that you have probably 115 equally genius ideas ready for prime time. As the kids say, you are a fantastic talent, an amazing person, and you'll forever be a gentleman farmer. Have a great holiday season, I can't wait to see and hear what you come up with next. Hey Rebecca, it's Jason. What a journey it's been. Uh, Can't thank you enough for embracing me uh, as part of your show, as a friend, introducing me to so many wonderful people in the true crime podcasting space. And I'm just so proud of what you've accomplished. Um, I'm excited for your next chapter. And I hope that you know what good work that you have done. And uh, I know that you will continue to do. I wish you the best. And you know, if you ever need me, I'm always here. Good luck. Much love to you. Hey, Rebecca, it's Dr. Shiloh. And Dr. Scott. We just want to let you
0: know that we are so happy that you put together dialogue. It had more
2: heart and curiosity than any other show in the true crime genre. I just appreciated that you established very early on for our group and for a lot of other casts out there, that there's a moral center and there's integrity to this genre. I think you're an inspiration, and that inspiration is going to go into all of your future endeavors, and I can't wait to see what you do. You're amazing.